Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. To see something as historic as this is a big deal. We bring in Richard Justice. It's two to two now. Um, what, if anything, surprises you so far? Oh, that for me? Yeah. I said oh, we bring in Richard Justice now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking questions of the dog. Yeah, it's you. Yeah, it's you. Yeah. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. If you're not watching on News Channel 8, you don't know that I'm standing up to do the show. I'm standing up to do the show, and Michael fixed the microphone, for which I'm grateful. Because I can't sit down. It's sort of like the Dovells when you're on South Street and the band is really booting. You hear the hippie with the hat beat, with the backbeat, and you see the gang of grooving. Got to get your motor moving. Got a hip-hop, flip-flop, bip-bop all around. Can't sit down. I can't sit down. I have a herniated disc in my left back. I've had it for five or six years. It regularly radiates pain down my right leg so that the top of my glutes, which I can't get to fire, me and Tiger, we can't get the glutes to fire. Gotta activate those glutes. Yeah, it hurts like crazy, and it goes down my leg and concentrates on the right side of my calf on the outside. Mm. And I try to rub the pain out, but I can't because the, the source of the pain is not where the pain is. So yesterday I emailed my doctor, Chris Duke, who set me up with a package of steroids, you know, that you take six the first day oh, and sure. down for a week. And I've taken two of the six I'm supposed to take today, and there's very little relief. The only relief I have is when I stand up or I walk. I can walk with a minimum amount of pain. I can't sit. Driving is so... It's excruciating to drive. I, I don't... I hope this gets better. You've never had this, thank God. No, the only pain I have is, is in the back, and that's from five years of carrying various size little boys. Yeah. But uh, make sure you take your full round of the steroid, because I think you need to, to make sure it doesn't come back. Well, But I offered to bring over the, percu- the percussive massage uh, therapy gun, but you don't, you don't think that'll help. I don't think that the pain, where the pain is, can be relieved by something like a massage gun. I, I was looking forward to cranking it up to 11 I, for I real. couldn't get on <laughs> the, the ground head. this morning. I, I'd stretch in the morning. I could not get on the ground without terrible, terrible pain. And then I began to just try to walk around the house, at which point the dog tries to herd me because it's a herding dog and bites at my feet. Yeah. And I, you know, I can't have this. Anyway. It feels like dinner theater in here. We offered to stand up with you in an act no, of you solidarity. Don't, you don't and before the show started, it looked like you were behind the curtain, pacing back and forth, ready to do stand-up. I just want Attention must be paid. Yeah, I just... I, I can... That's the only limited amount of relief yeah, the orchestra's we warming up. Well, I remember What's this... really great is to have somebody who's a guest on... Not a guest on the show, to come down and watch the show and look at our phone the whole time. <laughs> like, who cares about the show? So why, why are you here if you're looking at your phone? You can if you put the, the no, headphones we, on. We, we, we but we don't have anybody on the other side now. <laughs> We're all on this side. Okay. All right. I remember this with Gary when he had, remember, he couldn't, yes. he couldn't sit yes. you know, down during the yeah, show. Yeah, I can't. I feel, no, I feel terrible. Don't we have to put rolled up towels underneath your uh, ankles? I've got yeah. to find a spot yeah. where I can sit, but I, anyway. Call up Kevin. Let's read some of these things. Why don't I lean against the chair? Because the chair's eight feet over there, and i got to be at the microphone. No, but I can flip it over. That's okay. 
From Stephen in South Bend, as much as I love Dan Burns' music and his clever way of composing in almost real-time songs with topical sports humor, I had to write a strong corrective after hearing his Phillies song this past week. The Phillies are not and never have been the team of Connie Mack. Connie Mack was the owner and manager of the Philadelphia Athletics, the team which moved to Kansas City in 55 and to Oakland in 68. He owned and managed the Athletics for 50 years in Philadelphia, not the Phillies. It was with the Athletics that Connie Mack managed, won, and lost more games than any other manager in MLB history. It was the Athletics that Connie Mack led to nine American League pennants, and it was with the Athletics that Connie Mack won five World Series. Connie Mack had nothing to do with the Phillies other than that they rented their stadium from him. I didn't know that. And the Athletics from 1938 until they moved into Veterans Stadium. But the team of Connie Mack, the Phillies are emphatically not. Now, we had a lot of people saying that. A lot of that, yeah. And Dan Dan Burns a genius, and he has already corrected the song. Yes, you will hear that uh, with Wilbon, I believe. He's uh, he's already corrected the song. (laughs) He's responsive. (laughs) So great. Very much so. From Al Ruggles in Lexington, Kentucky. And let me say, in addition to this, which is about Flightline, I got a text from George Mallet. Like five minutes after the race. I missed the race. I didn't realize the Breeders' Cup was on television this weekend. So I missed it. Flightline was in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And George Mallet was, was thrilled with the fact that it won convincingly from Al Ruggles, who has emailed us before in Lexington, where it all happens in <laughs> horse racing. Much was expected of Flightline, and boy, did he deliver in the Breeders' Cup Classic. The, bill, the race was billed as appointment watching, and it did not disappoint the 45,000 in attendance. He and life is good. Opened up a nine-length lead halfway through the race, and then he passed the front runner coming out of the final turn to demolish the field by eight and a quarter lengths <laughs> in a fast two minutes, 0.05 seconds. Not 2.05, 2.00.05 for the mile and quarter distance. Although lightly raced, he has proven to be an incredible horse. It was announced today he will start his next gig as a breeding stallion at Lane's End Farm here in central Kentucky. He earned over $3 million, not Bitcoin or avocados. Straight cash homing for the trip. <laughs> By the way, on November 7th, a 2.5% interest in Flightline will be auctioned at Keeneland, if you're interested. So he is the horse that has been compared to Secretariat, the first time that has ever been invoked. And I wish I had seen that race, and then I never saw it on SportsCenter, because horse racing now is, you know, it's nothing special. But horse racing has provided me with great thrills in my life. When you cover a horse race... And you hear it, and you see it, and they're pounding, and the you know, and the track is coming up, the dirt and the dust and the mud. It's really, it's exciting. Yeah. And you don't have to give them any money. Just give them oats <laughs> and apples. You don't have to give them any money. They perform for you. It's like it's, a it's all about a the exposure, right, Dad? Just throw them a fish. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the exposure. Yeah. For the next thing, for the next career. But you ended up seeing this on YouTube, right? I didn't see it. Okay. Chan said I could see it on YouTube, and I wrote to Chan, and I said, I don't know how. I'll send it to your phone. It's a great race. Right? We'll airdrop it. He kills it, right? Yeah. Flightline. You heard about it first here, because I heard about it first Andy here. Andy Byer and, said the greatest American race was in the last 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. But we wouldn't have known about it if George Mallet hadn't told us That's about it and drawn correct. pictures of him. Yes. All right. From Louis Krakow. Hilarious to hear Craig Nat- Claire Natola's account of our wedding day and how it all unfolded. So much was going on that day, I completely forgot she was even trying to fill some of the spots that were vacated at the last minute. Now, if you'd told me just two years ago that we would have a loyal Littles table at our wedding reception and that my future wife would approve of it, I would have said, you're a dope. But I guess that's what starting a podcast about loyal Littles will get you, getting to know some of the most amazing people on the planet and wanting them to share your special day with you. 
So there we were, sitting at the head table, finally getting a second to breathe and take it all in. There was Roxy's family on the left and Chuck's family on the right. Then I looked up at the Loyal Littles table. There was Claire Natola, Dina and Damascus, Patrick Smith, and I kid you not, the next thing out of my mouth was, who the hell is that? A wedding crasher, sort of, and it was none other than Dave Patton filling in for Bob Walsh. I mean, seriously, how did David explain to his wife that with just 30 minutes notice, he was going to the wedding of these podcast hosts who connected, him through the to- connected with him through the Tony Kornheiser show? We told him he should have brought her, but he didn't realize it was a plus one situation. All I can say is that without you, we most likely would never have met these amazing people from disparate places who are now our friends. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts, especially for signing our wedding invitation, which my wife still lets me proudly display. I knew she was a keeper, love Chuck and Roxy. And that's lovely. That is very lovely. Now, I understand. I've never heard the podcast. I think Jeannie's been on the podcast. Yeah. I, I think I, everybody's been on the podcast. Yeah, I have not have yet. Have you, Michael? I have not, but I'm, I'm looking to schedule that. Okay. Oh, so they've called you? No, no. They, they, this, they reached out to me through Rob Colpian. Oh, okay. So that's wonderful. Yeah, no, I love that. One love more that. from Jerry Do you Black. have an extra toaster? Huh? Did <laughs> I... You don't hear me anymore. Well, I was, Is it because I'm sitting and you just want to lord over me? I'm just, I don't, I don't want to be standing. This is not fun for me. This is from Jerry Black in Tokyo. Thank you all for the years of entertainment. I get the pod a day late due to the, to the Japan time difference, so I have the pleasure of listening on my daily Tokyo commute in the morning. Please tell fellow little Peter Jennings, not that Peter Jennings, that I miss having another little with me in Tokyo. Since it was World Series time, I thought I'd update you on the Japan series between Oryx and Yakult here in Japan. After six games, the Oryx Buffaloes are up three games to two. Strange, huh? On the 23rd, I was watching the end of game two with my Japanese wife. Yakult was up one game to none, but trailed three-nothing in the bottom of the ninth when the rookie catcher, Soma Uchiyama, hit a three-run ninth-inning pinch-hit home run to tie the game 3-3. My wife turned to me and said, wow, this game, this series could go eight games. I said, What? Sure enough, after 12 innings, the game was called a tie. I've been here 27 years, and while I knew the regular season ties exist, but come on, man, a tie in the Japan series, that ain't right. So the series is guaranteed to go seven games, <laughs> and it's actually the eighth game. That's, I've searched and searched that's crazy. for the background of this arcane rule allowing ties after just 12 innings in the playoffs. The only viable hypothesis that I've read is that the fans are reliant on public transportation, which usually sh- shuts down at midnight or 12.30 a.m. Just thought you'd like to know. My best to DG. <laughs> don't come to DC for a baseball game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're shutting down the, the Metro. Sorry, metro, everyone. No metro. Yeah. Um, so there's, we, there's no hit by pitch, though, in that series? <laughs> no. No. Um, we're not completely done with the wagering over the weekend, but nobody's done really well. Jeff Miles, we had two pushes. Chuck Todd has pushed on the Chargers Atlanta, which was three, and Chuck Todd has pushed... On the Rams, Tampa, which was three, and escaped by a half point on Washington. Yeah. Because the Minnesota Vikings, though they won, did not cover because it was three and a half. So Jeff Ma's been 2 2 and 1. Uh, the Monkeys won 1 and 1. Carville took gas, 1 oh. 4 and 1. He missed all three college games. He missed on Tennessee. He took the plus eight. He missed on Kansas State with Texas. And he missed big on Clemson, as did Jeff Ma. Sure, but he had Clemson. the weekend. He got LSU. Yeah, so, yeah. It, so he's happy. Two-point conversion beats Alabama, knocks Alabama out of the playoffs. Go for the win. Although, although, well, no, Alabama can't get into the SEC championship now, right? Or can they? Because if they can get in and they beat Georgia as a two-loss team, they're going to say, wait a second, we beat the undefeated number one team in the country. 
So that stuff is pretty exciting, I felt. Um, I don't know what to make about the Jets. I just don't. I never thought they would beat Buffalo. That was... I never thought... That was remarkable. Yeah. Georgia-Tennessee was expected. I think everybody thought that Georgia at home was going to win that game. Notre Dame-Clemson, not expected. Alabama-LSU, not expected. I played in a golf tournament over the weekend. I'll just talk about it briefly. It's a mixed event. And by a mixed event, men play with women on the same team. That's what mixed means, right? Yes, in this context. Yeah. And Courtney and I played together. We had a real good day on Saturday. We were minus four. It was best net ball. And the two of us played our own ball. And we did very well. I did well on some holes. Courtney did well on some holes. On Sunday, we were like one off the lead going into Sunday. So this is a 36-hole event. 36-hole event, which I didn't even know when it, when I signed up for it. I just thought it'd be 18. And was there a tea gift? Huh? Was there a tea gift? There was not a tea gift, but we managed to win something. We, we won... What is it called? A koozie? A koozie, yes. Oh, yeah, sure. What is a koozie? It, it keeps, keeps you, things cold? It keeps your beer cold. Okay, yeah. well, we, yeah. have, yeah. we yeah. have a Smathers & Branson koozie with the Columbia logo on it oh. that I think Austin may have made himself, which would be great. Well, let's go check on Austin. We finished, um, we finished tied for third. I was so terrible yesterday. Just so fabulously awful. <laughs> Every chip shot I hit was awful. It didn't get to the green or it didn't stay on the green i ruined the team i was tremendously bad now this is probably the format and not just your 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 relationship to the lead what do you mean you weren't just nervous because you were you know with no i didn't know i was terrible (laughs) i was just terrible and i was great on the trying to give you an out i'm always great on the no i was terrible as good as i was on Saturday, and I was good. I shot, I think, 85. That's a great score for me. It's terrific. And then on Sunday, I probably shot 95. I was terrible. So this is the format. You each hit a drive. Then wherever the, your partner's drive lands, you hit that ball. So if I hit a real good drive, I don't get a second shot off my real good drive. My partner does. And then you pick the best ball. And sometimes we were in a trap. It was so bad because I was so bad. <laughs> then you pick the best ball and alternate on the way in, right? Yes, until you pick up because you're in said trap. Yeah, it's 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 a disconcerting format for me. I, I just yeah. I, so on, on day one, you have the safety net of a of a partner. Play your own ball. Yeah, and, and your partner can help you. And on day two, you're worried about how am I going to mess this up? Which is exactly what I worried about, and exactly what came true. I was terrible. We got to play with on. Saturday, Bill and Molly LeBlanc, and on Sunday, Peter and Stephanie Farrell. The two women are really, really good. Molly LeBlanc has been club champion at Columbia. Stephanie Farrell hits it further than I do. From the same tee, she's hitting it further than I do. And they were very pleasant to be with. Peter Farrell's a really good player. He's like about a four handicap. He's a really good player, and, and he... He, even if there was a bad shot, even like he would hit a good drive and give Stephanie a chance to get to the green. And if she were errant at all, he made up for it. I mean, they were really good. Bill LeBlanc's big, strong guy. The day that I played with him, didn't have a great day, but they won the tournament. Oh. So we got to play with people that were really good, pleasant to play with, and won the tournament. And we were essentially a sideshow, you know, (laughs) so we gagged. But we came in third, 
And they were tied for third, and there were probably 18, 20 groups, something like that. That sounds like a great tournament, and you have won this Loved tournament it. in the past. Yes, I won it with Camille Knabel, who was, I think, nine at the time. She was the greatest. She was like 17 or 18. And you would run every putt by four or five feet, and you just and she would go make, make And she would make the comeback putt time <laughs> after time after time. Her father, who is a doctor and listens to this podcast— was out. He said, I'm out here trying to win one for the family. Be the second one in the family to win. Camille, I believe, is in her fourth year of medical school now. Um, she was a really good player. And, and it was a great thrill and honor for me because it's the only... No, it's not the only thing. I've been on one other winning team in a tournament uh, where I... My name is somewhere, but I never was able to find it. It may not actually be somewhere. But my name is on this plaque... Now you won something. Your name is yeah. on a plaque, Cummings right? Cup, a couple yeah. years ago. So that's really cool. That is yeah. fantastic. And we had a chance. Uh, I mean, I choked. I did. I choked. Because uh, Courtney was great. What do you got? Oh, uh, I, when I'm looking at something. Well, yeah, I, I was checking out Alabama, and they are in third place in the uh, the Who's West. ahead of them? Uh, LSU at 5-1, and one, and the Mississippi at 4-1, and one, and Alabama at 4-2. and two, So, Well, they get to play Mississippi. Right. And LSU could lose. Yeah, they you could know, lose. But, but you but know what? A little bit of credit to Brian Kelly. Sure. Who started out poorly. Yeah. And then you said, yeah, it's not going to work. A little bit of credit to Brian Kelly and our boy. Yeah. Right? Brian Polian. Brian Polian, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just, just, they turned it around. And the idea to say. And they went for two. They said, they went, let's win. Let's win it let's right win or now. Lose. Yeah. Let's win. Love that. Yeah. Carville doesn't care if he was 0-50. <laughs> as long as the <laughs> Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> As long as they won. Oh, and I had it wrong. Uh, the, the Dan Burns song will play in uh, our second guest, not Wilbon. That's fine. Yes. All right. So Wilbon is next, and I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Give It to Me Straight. It's by a group called All Poets and Heroes. It's sent to us by John Firebend in Syracuse, who writes, I've been a listener since your earliest ESPN days when you were carried here in Syracuse on the radio station WHEN, which you referred to as the Mighty Hen. <laughs> I remember the station bringing you up here, and I believe you did your show from the Hotel Syracuse, then threw out the first pitch of a Syracuse Sky Chiefs game that evening. Absolutely. It's absolutely true. Loved it. Had a great time. My connective tissue to you would start with my best friend from high school, Tom Heath, who recently retired after a 30-plus year career as a reporter writer at the Washington Post, which included several years stint in your sports department. Yes, Wilbon and I both work with Tom Heath, uh, and we know his wife, Polly Pavasel. It includes my son, Craig, and his wife, Carrie, who are both proud Binghamton Bearcats graduates. In fact, Carrie never left, currently works in the BU admissions office, so the next time someone asks for your help to get into school, you just send the $5 directly to her. (laughs) This is a band called All Poets and Heroes in Syracuse, formed by Rob McCall and Corey Jordan who happens to be my daughter Abby's longtime boyfriend. That's really nice. Plays in Michael Wilbon. Um, I guess we should start... I, I guess we should start with, with the, the most amazing result yesterday, to me. The Jets beating Buffalo. I, I, I never... 
I mean, I might have thought the Jets would beat the spread, but I never would have thought in a division game with Buffalo wanting to beat division rivals that the Jets would beat them. How about you? Without a, a running back. I, I made that uh, uh, in, in the confidence pool that I am in where, you know, 16 points is awarded to the team that you know is going to win. And it's not a spread thing. It's just winners. No, no, no. It's just pick the game. Right. I didn't pick. I, I gave Buffalo. I, I, had, I think Buffalo was my four-point game. That's all. So you thought this was yeah, possible? Yeah, I thought the Jets could and might wow. win. Yeah. Oh, I did not. Yeah. It's I a division did. game. I know. And the Jets are pretty good. The Jets had already won five, five times. Why wouldn't Why? I mean. No, not me. We've, we've got enough of the season now to not be shocked at too much. Now, I continue to think that Green Bay was going to rebound. Yesterday is the last time I do that. They keep losing. I gave Green Bay. So, I got so, no, Buffalo did not fool me. The Packers did. Well, yeah. Well, again, by your logic, that was a division game. It was, and I, and I still thought, okay, they're going to bounce back starting today. And it's just stupid for me to think that. Aaron Rodgers. There was enough evidence out there, to the contrary, to know yeah. better. Rodgers had three picks. Rodgers yeah. getting, he's getting worse. How is well, that possible? So at one point yesterday, I know you were playing golf. Yeah. I walked out of the uh, room where I was getting some food, so I was upstairs for like five seconds is all I stay upstairs on Sunday in my house. I'm walking out, and I just said to Cheryl, uh, you know, this is an interesting day because Rodgers and Brady, you know, they're, just, they're both dreadful. They're, they're, you know, Rodgers already lost, and I said, Brady, they're going up in flames. They just look old and done. Because Brady was on life support. I have to have to say this. Before the last drive. I have to say this about Brady. Because you got my text when the, the kid missed the touchdown pass with a minute and a half to go. It's right in his arms and he missed yeah, it. Yeah, Miller, yeah. And then Brady went down the field. Brady went like 65 yards in 40 seconds and, yeah. and got a touchdown. And he looked great for that. But I will agree with you. He looked terrible Dreadful. for Dreadful. three and a half quarters he, he was he looked terrible he was throwing it and it wasn't good enough it no. just wasn't good enough and i sat here and i thought my god he got old he just got old he can't do it and then he throws he a touchdown pass that the kid drops it's a well, total touchdown and, and, and the, 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 char- the rams were stupid for all the credit heaped upon their head coach they were they were a dumb team yesterday on a lot of levels and so I, I got to do something, Tony, that in real time, and I'm not even sure why the Lakers were playing at, as early as they were in L.A., like a noon 30 game. I got to watch LeBron and Brady. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was just sort of, okay, this is sort of cool. I'm going to do this. And I'm thinking they're both in Britain, and LeBron lost, and he lost to Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland's good. at home to Cleveland. Cleveland's good. and one, the Cavaliers. They're a good team. So a year ago when I said LeBron would want to be on Cleveland, you laughed at he me initially. He should have wanted it. He should have. Because so, where he is is, is That's right, where he is deadly. They're two and seven. But, but so Brady, you know, I mean, he, he, got, he got it done again. He got it done, With but... With some help of a really dumb effort, a poor effort on the part of... Well, the they kept letting people get out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, the Rams kept letting the Bucks get out of bounds, and Brady... Ate up the yards. He, he totally did. ate up the yards, and he threw a smart pass to a tight end about three yards from the end zone, and he got in. But they didn't pressure him. But they you didn't. Know, you got to stay in Brady's face. I've got to say, everybody knows the formula at this point. 
And there have been, look, there have been, you know, quite a few situations like this lately, even in big games. Mike, he doesn't, he doesn't deliver the ball in the way we expect him to deliver the ball. He doesn't. He was 45 years old. He bounces it. He sails yeah, it. You know, right. he bounces it so often. Yeah. You go, wow, is that Tom Brady? And it's, but he had it, he had it yeah. in him for one last drive. Yes, he did. Uh, Minnesota wins. They win close. They don't cover. They had seven points through three and a half quarters, I think. Seven yeah. points. I can't believe in them. That's your division. I cannot believe in I them. I picked the Washington football team to win. To win. Right. I don't, I, you know, they, were, they, were, they were a joke. They were, they were who we think they are. They gave that game away. Yes. Gave it away. Yeah, double-digit lead like that in the fourth quarter, you're at home. Got to um, win. You're playing against a guy that you've got to want to beat. Yeah, you hate him. And you walked so down on they you. were dreadful. They were. I, but, I, you know, I, I root again. I, I even, I still, I picked, the, I picked them, whatever their name is. I Commanders. Them. Yeah. Commander Salamander. Picked them. And I, and I so, you know what, Tony, here's how much I just, like, I can't root for them at all. I was rooting against my own pick. Yeah. Because at the end of it, I'm like, come on. Come on, Cousins. You got this in you. Yeah. Even though I picked Washington to win that game. And yes. I just signed a low number of points. No confidence in the pick, but I, I thought yeah. they would win, and they should have. All right, Saturday. Did you watch Tennessee, Georgia? Did you watch LSU, I watched Alabama? All I watched all of it. Did I you watch Clemson? Georgia. A lot of it was Jesse at the grill in, yeah. at, at Columbia. And uh, watching, you know, a Tennessee guy, Tennessee kid. Guys from Memphis. Uh, I watched, you know, I, I, I watched with Jesse and... Uh, you know, that, that game, I guess the game went about as I thought it might. It, it went the way David Pollock thought. And David yeah, Pollock also gave Notre Dame a chance, which surprised me when he did it, but he was right. Yeah, Notre Dame. That was, that, was, that, that was the stunner of the day. Yes. And by the way, the Alabama game was as good a college football yeah. game as you can have. It's as good a game as you can have. Good a game as you can find. Um, I mean, all of it, including the ending. It was, I mean, it, it was spectacular. And when Kelly decides to go for it, I thought he well, might now go you're, for Well, now you, you rail against coaches going for two. In the middle of the game. Okay. In overtime, the rule is going to call for you, is going to force you to go for two. In, in the next overtime. overtime. In the next overtime. So this is not, right. yeah, okay. so I mean, this is not the same. Okay. Not the same at all. No. But that game, well, wow. That the LSU Alabama game was as good a game. I'm not going to see a game that good again this year. So, what do we think now? I mentioned this before. What do we think now of Brian Kelly? I don't know. It doesn't change anything. It I doesn't? He's, he's, he's a good coach. Yeah. He won a terrific game. Do you I think don't... he can win a title there? No, no, I don't. But I don't. Really? With, uh, like, in no. the next five years, you don't think No, can... I don't think he's going to win one. Why? Um, I don't know that they can catch lightning again twice in 10 years. I know they did. They did it three years ago, whatever it was. With Burrow was and there. Chase, yeah. Yeah, but I, don't, I, don't, I just don't see it. I, it doesn't mean they won't. It doesn't mean I think badly of Kelly as a coach. I, I don't. But, again, Tony, we're talking about one team, national championship. Do I believe he's got that? And that, no, I don't. Now you know Saban retires and Georgia falls off. It doesn't take much. LSU is going to be in the hunt always. 
Always. But no, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sitting around waiting on LSU to win a national championship. What do you think of the World Series? I was. I mentioned this yesterday to a couple of people. I was gratified that Houston won it on Saturday and yeah. didn't have to compete with the NFL on Sunday. I don't see. You care about who watches games. I, I don't do. care at all about that. Yeah. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I can care. Do I? Can I watch? You can watch. I don't care what you watch. I don't, you don't care what other people watch. I don't. I don't care about that. Um, no, nah, I would like to. I'd like to have seen a game seven. As long as I'm going to watch, if, if if I like the World Series and I like baseball, oh, it was a great you love series. It. I love it. It was a great. Let's series. see it up again. I don't care. I don't care what other people are doing. Um, it was. I rooted for Dusty Baker. That's what I rooted for. Yeah. And I got that result, and I was glad. It was they were pounding? I was just worried they were going to kill Dusty in the dugout when they were pounding. They were him. pretty happy. They were. It was great. It was a great organic celebration of Dusty Baker and his career, and I listened to his whole postgame. I guess I turned over and watched MLB so I could watch the whole postgame. And I did. I, I wanted to listen to him in his moment. That gratified me. I don't care who's watching or what. I, I don't. He's a, I, a total baseball lifer. Total. Yes. He's a total baseball yes, lifer. Yes, Dusty Baker. Good for him. When I covered baseball for the post, Dusty Baker was the, at the end of his playing career. Oh, so that's forty yeah. plus years ago, right? Right. And I, so it was just—it was great. And I don't know. It's not like I know Dusty well, but I've you know been around. He managed my team. That's right. The Cubs, and got them really close and suffered their most infamous loss. Oh, um, he was the manager of the Bartman game. Oh yeah, yeah, three, yeah, 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 yeah. That team. He and Lou Pinella, you know, you know, two, two, two lifers who, who's. Careers in some ways, you know, have a lot of similarities. So yeah, so I I I cared about that, and then I was glad it was over because I wanted Dusty to win. And and I and I you know I I move on on Sunday. I'm going to watch the NFL. I, I popped out to Columbia to try to watch you tee off on number one yesterday. Yeah, I, we we finished I the timing. I meant I mentioned this. We finished. Courtney and I finished tied for third. In the whole Congrats. field. I mean, I played really poorly yesterday, Congrats. and I played really well Saturday, so it's okay. It balances out. But we finished tied for third, and we had the honor on Saturday to play with the eventual winners, Molly and Bill LeBlanc. Yeah, that was that's really nice. I, I was there at the end of Saturday, but no, Sunday, no. I, I, I wandered out about 1 o'clock. Because first of all, I wanted to see, uh, for, for, for me, none of the stuff that, uh, that was on television yesterday, including Brady, Matters relative to seeing whether Justin Fields can play. Oh, can Justin he had a great Fields game. Play? That is the mission of this season with my team. Right. And he turned in, look, it's not easy. It's not hard to play one of the great games that that franchise has at quarterback. It's not hard. Right. Because there's not that many. Like, I have seen all of them that weren't involving Sid Luckman. That's right. I've seen them all. So... He turned in one of the great offensive performances that was not authored by W. Payton or G. Sayers. Yeah. You hear in the company I just put That's, him in? I don't know that you want to do that forever. You can do it for one game, but you've got to wait a while. To you, see. You, but I mean, it, yeah. I'm not, I don't mean just running. I mean, he, the performance was there in total. Yeah. He, his passer rating had to be way, way up there. He don't, I know he didn't throw for many yards, but he threw three touchdown passes and no, and no interceptions. And he, the, the pass, he puts two passes on the money in the end of the game to try to win the game for his team. And the, the league, the, the officials hosed him <laughs> and them. Hosed. 
that that the play that they didn't call pass interference on is going to earn the Bears a letter, a bogus letter from the league saying we blew it. They did. And then the guy dropped the first down pass that could have continued the game. So, so Justin, Fields was, Justin Fields was as good yesterday as any quarterback other than Jim McMahon I have watched, you know, in, in 60 years. We don't have – short list. McMahon had performances that were more – that were just more bravo, stand in front of your set and applaud. But nobody else – not Jake Casole crushing Cutler. No. So that, that to me yesterday, I had a full day of caring about the teams I care about, which is Bears, Packers. When they lose, I am very happy. Vikings, and I should be rooting against them, but I rooted for them yesterday. And the Lions, who now we get this week, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure we're going to beat the Lions. I don't know what's going to happen in that game. But the four teams I care about played important roles yesterday, even if the games weren't as glamorous. Good. All right. Yeah. I'll see you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Richard Justice will talk about the World Series when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. We're the Phillies. We're the team of Connie Mack. Hey! Connie Mack had nothing to do with the Phillies. He was with the Philadelphia A's. Well, if you had the Phillies history, you'd try to claim Connie Mack, too. Revisionist history. You screwed up. Maybe the joke is the modern-day players don't know the Phillies history, so they claim Connie Mack. After the fact. No good. You screwed up. Okay, how about... <clears throat> we're the Phillies. We're the team of Big Adela Henty. Carlton, Jimmy, Rollins. Cringy's in the pantry. I see your point. Am I forgiven? Uh, better ask Nigel. Nigel, grant me absolution. Sorry, mate, can't do it. Your punishment? An eternity of rooting for the Phillies. <laughs> the brilliant Dan Byrne. The brilliant Dan Byrne. The Phillies lost the World Series. Houston won the World Series. Houston's own Richard Justice joins us now. And the most obvious question, I think, is, is the evaluation. It's a great series. I think the better team won. You do too, right? The better team oh, won. Oh, yeah. No, no question about it. The, the, the difference in the two teams was the pitching depth, and that's ultimately what's shown up. Maybe the best thing that happened was the Astros getting shellac 7-0 in game three. It was sort of a wake-up call. Uh-huh. Um, Michael Brantley, who didn't play in the series, had a pretty much uh, come-to-Jesus meeting in the batting cage before game four and said, you guys' body language are terrible. You're, allow- you're allowing the Phillies pitchers to set the tone and the tempo of the game. You got to snap out of it, and what snapped out of it was the pitching. They allowed the last thirty innings. The Astros allowed three runs, and um, they this was a they were eleven and two in the postseason. That's third best record all time, or something like that. But what the games were so close. Four of them, one run. Six of them, two others by two runs. They had to come from behind. The winning run scored in the sixth inning about half the time. I mean, the games were all coin flips, and the, the Astros made a play to win every game, and that's, that's, the, in that, that's the definition of a champion. So the turning point for you was the game they lost, game three. Yeah, I mean, the, next, the, the turning point was Christian Javier throwing six no-hit or seven no-hit innings, six no-hit innings, and basically the Phillies were done after that. But you, from, at the start, you said the 
Philly's lack of pitching depth is going to catch up with them at some point. You know, the rainout maybe delayed that a little bit because they didn't have a bullpen game at that point. But when you keep – and Rob Thompson did this the whole postseason, very aggressive in his use of relievers. But when he brought Jose Alvarado in to face Jordan Alvarez on Saturday night, uh, that was the fourth time uh, Jordan had faced Alvarez. I mean, Jordan had faced Alvarado. And at some point, you there you develop some familiarity. You know, you always hear about don't let a starting pitcher face the lineup a third time through. Well, that also, when you see relievers, the more you see relievers, it's been proven – the more comfortable you are and the more success you have. And Jordan Alvarez hit a 450-foot home run that sent a city shaking. Yeah, I I mean, there was – that is the thing. The great thing about baseball, it does not happen in football except on fourth down situations. Baseball, there is a time to second-guess a managerial decision six to ten times in in a game. That is, of course, the big one. You bring in for lefty-lefty. I sort of understand that. But Wheeler is your best pitcher. Wheeler right. is, is a starter who you've depended on. Would and I, and I didn't think of what you're saying, that it was the fourth time Alvarez has, had faced Alvarado. Right. Would you, you would not have made that move then. You, at that moment, you said, uh-oh, I don't know this is a good move. Right, yes, because Alvarado was looking more and more human as, as the series got extended, and also your what you just said that's your best arm right yes, there. yes it is you you yes, know that in the Houston dugout they're saying, thank goodness we don't have to look at that hundred mile an hour stuff anymore and I think um Wheeler was very diplomatic after the game, but he said you know i was he said I was blindsided by it, I didn't see it coming at some point, you know and Dusty Baker always gets his forest career has been criticized for this. sticking with your guy is the wrong thing. But in this case, sticking with your guy also would be sticking with the best guy. It's, it's the most remarkable thing about baseball, right? That the debates go on and on. They right. go on for years. There's nothing in basketball. There's nothing in hockey. The sports are too fast. There's nothing really in no. football. Because you have 30 seconds between plays. Really, it's only baseball, Richard. Right. Three years later, in Houston, Texas, we still remember... <laughs> that A.J. Hinch took um, Zach Greinke out of Game 7 That's of the right. World Series. Right. And that he, he put the game in the hands of his best reliever, Will Harris, and Howard Kendrick, Howie Kendrick Good. popped a ball, clanged a ball off the right field foul pole to win That's the World right. Series. Afterwards, one of the analysts went down to Will Harris and said, this is no consolation for you, but you made a perfect pitch that was a one-in-a-million shot. And what A.J. Hinch has said through the years is, the right decision doesn't have to – it's not always the right decision. It's because it's a results-oriented business, yeah. and that's what people remember, and rightfully so. But three years later, we're still debating, should he have taken Zach Greinke out of that game? So same thing. But, but in terms of the Phillies, Rob Thompson had managed very aggressively with his bullpen. He had weak links out there. He didn't have the depth. And you just knew in a seven-game series it probably was going to catch up with him at some point. He, I, I, say what you want. He, that guy managed the heck out of this World Series and got them to Game Six of the World Series. And uh, that was, for, you know, if you looked at what the Phillies were in the season, how they almost choked away a playoff spot in the last couple of weeks of the season, um, they had a heck of a ride. Houston won nearly twenty more regular season games. Nearly right. twenty. 
The spread in terms of one loss was close to 40. You know, they're just... Houston was the better team. I'm going to assume if Dusty Baker needed this, that this is that which puts him in the Hall of Fame, right? No question about it. I mean, he's ninth on the all-time win list. All eight guys in front of him are in the Hall of Fame. Five of the seven behind him are in the Hall of Fame, including Bruce Bochy, who's not actually in there yet, but, but he will, will be. be. You know, the guy's three pennants, and he has, you know, ironically, he's, 70, he's the oldest manager at 73 to win a World Series. And we think of him as being old school, maybe the game has passed him by, but it's weird how it comes around, like in the data age, when you're, you've got this flood of information. What still matters most is the human touch, and that has been Dusty's calling card the whole time. Tony, people love this guy. I mean, I can't imagine how many hundreds of people Saturday night around the game, people that run bars, restaurants, have come in contact with this guy. They were so happy for this guy. He stepped in. He, Ken Rosenthal phrased it this way. He gave the Astros a human shield after the science-dealing scandal that everyone hated them no one hated Dusty. And the players rebelled a little bit. They had a, such a close relationship with A.J. Hinch. And to his credit, Hinch told his guys, you're about to get to play for one of the great gentlemen that's ever put on the uniform. And, and they fell in love with the guy. Dusty was so great after the game talking about what was going through his mind as the outs were counted down. He thought of his buddy Don Baylor and Hank Aaron and Al Kaline, the people who had supported him. I mean, it, there's a mystical quality to Dusty. And uh, he's been told to be at the ballpark at 9.30 this morning to be sized for a World Series ring. Pretty cool, huh? That's wonderful. I mean, having watched him manage in Washington, when they let him go, I didn't think it was the right move. I, I couldn't scream and yell about it, and I certainly couldn't a couple of years afterwards when they won the World Series with another guy. I mean, you got, you got to shut up at that point. But I'm very glad that Dusty won this, and it leads, everything you've said leads into this question that you get asked as a Houstonian and somebody who knows baseball better than anyone. I think cleanse is too strong a word because I don't think it completely ever washes away, but how much... Of the cheating, does this mollify? How much does it sort of assuage, as I use fancy words? You know what I'm talking about. Right, and I think everyone's going to have to decide that in their own mind. You can't change history. What they did in 2017, they did. And they're going to have to live with that forever. And some of these players are going to have to live with it forever. In a a previous podcast, you you sort of asked me, in the departures of Springer and Garrett Cole and Correa, was the sign-stealing scandal part of it? I didn't answer the right way. The the bottom line is those were all economic decisions. I know those guys well enough to know that they didn't have any problem staying. It was not about that. And and what Dusty said is we got cursed and screamed at all through um, the last couple of years. And he said, but it didn't make us rebel like we'll show you. It sort of brought us together as a group. There's a closeness, you know, like you always hear about teams playing on the road. It, you know, you, you look around and these are your only friends. And I, I think that's what developed as the group a really strong core. And also, 
a great farm system. Hey, by the way, the Hall of Fame, uh, Josh Roberts of the Hall of Fame, he, got, he went into Dusty's late Saturday and got his wristband. Can I have a wristband for the oh. Hall of Fame? And, and, and Josh looked at him and goes, hey, Dusty, can I get a toothpick too? <laughs> <laughs> and Dusty reached in and gave him a new toothpick and goes, hey, buddy, I've been waiting a long time to do this. You can have anything you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me get to this then. And, and it's different for different people. The Altuves and the Bregmans and the Guriels and the McCullers, um, and even to a, gre- to a degree, Justin Verlander, be- even though he missed a year or year and a half, whatever it was. They won a World Series now, a clean World Series, and they can walk if they choose to, you right. know, without any penalty whatsoever. You can walk now. You stayed, you toughed it out, you won again, you can walk. Do you think any of them will? Um. I think there's going to be big changes. So there's a lot of free agency. The, the, the one that matters is Verlander, and Jim Crane intends to talk to him. Mm-hmm. He's going to turn down his 25 million player option. And I'm telling you, Tony, I know the guy well enough. To, he's going to look at Max Scherzer's contract, even though Justin is 39, and say that's the mark we're looking for. And what is it like? Three year deal at 43 million a year? That's a big number. The Astros have a lot of pitching, but I just can't. If he wants to stay, I assume he and the owner uh, will work it out some way. Uh, you know, it's, free agency is interesting in that you get your choice now. Yeah. Do the Dodgers appeal to him? He and Kate Upton have a home in L.A. Is, is that, that would be a, the Dodgers are looking to change the mix of their room. They're going to bring in a lot of young players, but a Correa, a Verlander, would give them a little bit of that fire that maybe. They have not that that seems to bother them, and it's become a talking point in Southern California. So it'll be interesting. He I, he clearly likes it here, and he loves the group. If you've seen the video of Dusty talking to the team after the game, he looked over at Verlander and goes, "And JV, you got that World Series win off your ass, and I got Game Six off my ass." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, Tony. Richard Justice, boys and girls, I'll just close the segment out with a haiku from Shad. Banging garbage cans notwithstanding, I feel good for Dusty Baker. We'll be back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That's world champion. Whistler, Chris Ullman from Binghamton, New yes. York. World champion. World champion. What do you got? Like, he's a world champion Whistler. Well, what are you? It's great. You do the Bethesda Bagels ad, please? Yeah, we've got the bagel sandwiches today. Always a brilliant day when that happens. Uh, Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say we said our goodbyes the night before. Love was in your eyes the night before. Now today I find you have changed your mind. Treat me like you did the night before. Small group. May have heard of them. Beatles. <laughs> Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Richard Justice. Thanks to our sponsors, Policy Genius ZipRecruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. Celebrate your championship Astros. Go to johnnyo.com. They have a World Series gear or just celebrate a really memorable postseason for your Phillies. Uh, TK Gobble. Gobble gobble gobble, 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 or look at the Silas reversible vest. Ooh. It just sounds like it'd be a. a Are you going to get one of those? A villainous character in a Dickens novel. <laughs> Are you going to get one of those? No, nah, it's it's too cool for me. Okay. Uh, from J H in Herndon, I was listening to the Monday podcast. I heard you mention Robinson Lane in Delaware. I know that street. 
My friends and I rented a house on Robinson at the Route 1 end for many summers. Well, the Route 1 end is is the end where Just in Time is. That's like up there. Um, I was shocked to have a David Aldridge moment, which included directions to the Fresh Market and Jungle Gyms. In Philly, the riskiest Halloween costume would have been Santa Claus. I'm not a member of Kinlock, but I think I have a way we can sneak on the course. Let me know if you and Michael would like to join me. P.S. Does DG know where Ted's pants are? No. <laughs> From Jose Krings in Galena, Ohio. This, to me, I was talking with Dr. Knavel about this when he said he listened to the show. And I said, the most amazing thing is Galena, Ohio. Yes. The traffic pattern and nine <laughs> people write about it. I was listening to Friday's show on Monday morning when I heard fellow Little, Justin Hibbert, proclaim that the traffic on Africa Road was now open both ways. It's great, I thought. Little's helping Little's. On my way home, I took the Gemini Place exit, and as I am speeding past Swenson's drive-in and past Acorn Farms, I eagerly turn on my left blinker to turn northbound on Africa Road, and what do I see? Two do-not-enter signs. I thought of slander, libel. I thought of words Justin Hibbert and I haven't heard in the Bible. I thought, I hope his kids also get stuck on this stupid detour so they can feel my pain because that's the pain I've ever done. <laughs> it's just Mike Tyson, channeling Mike Tyson. Going forward, I will take the Aaron Rodgers approach to road closures and do my own research. P.S. I can absolutely vouch for Schneider's Bakery. Okay. From Blake Ingle, long time, first time. For the Littles in Northwest Arkansas, the construction on J Street in Bentonville for the new Walmart campus can best be avoided by utilizing Mobley Avenue or Main Street, although the latter leads to downtown square, which yeah. tends to have a good deal of pedestrian traffic. Since daylight savings time has expired, I thought I'd try setting a new trend. It's a great reminder to replace those smoke detector batteries. I have 14, but who's counting? Well, you're counting. <laughs> you know, bing. Uh, every time one begins chirping, my non-frisbee-eating mutt begins destroying everything in sight. As he's left alone inside the majority of the day, it's best to replace the smoke detector batteries instead of refurnishing the entire house. Thanks. From Jonah in Chicago. I'd like to invite you, Michael, Nigel, and the whole gang to play with me at Wilderness Falls in Bolingbrook, Illinois, where I am a platinum member. Yes, this is a mini golf course, but think of all the problems it solves for you. Ample VIP parking right next to the course, easy in and out. No need for ship sticks. Course supplies all the equipment. No debate on which tees to use. Water is almost never in play unless it is, and then wow. Rounds take only 45 minutes. I'll supply the blue since the course will only supply blue Gatorade. And if you sink the clown's mouth on a final hole, you get a free round. I'll sit by the phone waiting. From Pat Patton in Hedgeville. West Virginia, please remind Michael that it's time to take the turkey out of the freezer. Oh. I mean, I think you should do it's a good that. good reminder. We have to go over our Thanksgiving plans, Dad. A haiku for uh, Bryce Harper from Shad. The cherry on top. He's a straw that stirs the drink. Manifest hubris. Okay. From Dan Oshinsky. This is about Greg. Is Greg Garcia looking for his next project? And if so, is he interested in producing a Hallmark movie for us littles? <laughs> Hallmark movie for Greg. A few ideas from him. Two long-time and very single listeners to a podcast in the Midwestern city of Toronto decide to crash a wedding on Christmas Eve after hearing about it on their favorite show. Will they find each other that night and find love? Working title, Love Crashes In. A girl from the big city moves back to her sleepy upstate hometown after she discovers that the minor league baseball team owned by her parents, team nicknamed the Evergreens, is in financial trouble. Can she, in partnership with a local guitar player who writes obscure but surprisingly catchy jingles, <laughs> save the team and find love? Working title, Take a Swing for Love. 
After a breakup, a woman leaves the Twin Cities to start fresh in Washington, D.C. One night, the ghost of Bud Grant visits her in a dream and tells her to buy tickets to a holiday light show at the National Zoo. They're at a party that, for reasons are never quite explained, seems to be jointly thrown by a monkey, Jesse Ventura, and Rod Carew. She meets a young girl who tries to set her up with single Bemidji-born dad. Will these two connect over their mutual love of Prince and find love? Working title, Love by Two. A man becomes captivated by a woman's emails to a podcast and begins writing her writing into the same podcast with the hopes of courting her. Despite her reservations, he's a Subaru driver, and the host's repeated requests to stop the emailing, will they eventually meet and find love, working title, You've Got Mailbag. This is fantastic. <laughs> After his great uncle dies, a man who works in a high-powered finance job in the big city moves home for a few weeks to take over the family's neighborhood cheese shop. He plans to sell it to a major cheese conglomerate, but a female customer rallies the town through holiday cheer to convince him otherwise. Will he keep the cheese shop alive? And find love, working title, where there's curds, there's a way. <laughs> Greg, let me know. Be happy to executive produce. Greg is listening to this now and saying, this is brilliant. I got to find this guy. I mean, that's everything this show was about. Yeah, I'd, go, Every- I'd go with Do Wear White. <laughs> Just Ooh, I like that as a yeah. title. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I do like that. Uh, from Cameron. Greetings from the first state in your second home in Delaware. I'm in my 22nd year of education, work as a district administrator for the Seaford School District in the 19973. I truly have not had to go to work a day in my life. I love what I do. The best part of my job is being able to drive my four-year-old child, a non-masculine child, to work every day and then walk her to pre-K. I knew I arrived as a parent last week on our drive to school on Thursday morning. As we listen to Chuck Todd pick games, my daughter, Mia, says to me, Daddy, is he going to stop talking so we get to hear the monkey song? In a very proud response... I told her after he was done making his picks, we would hear the monkey song. She responded with, I love Reginald. As the song comes on, to my surprise, she sings it in its entirety. I pick her up from pre-K later that day, and her teacher said when they were singing songs, she asked to sing the monkey song. Her teacher said, we don't have a monkey song. And she said, I sing it with my daddy and tells the teacher he's scratching his iPad and drinking Johnny Walker Blue. She then attempted to teach it to her classmates. Smiling, I told her, yes, we sing the song. It's from a podcast we listen to on the way to school. Mia and I spoke about how that song is for us and not for school. I can also report the song can be played approximately 24 times with rewinding on our 15-minute commute. A few more if we get a red light. So rest assured, you've reached a new demographic of four-year-old pre-K students, true little littles. Thank you for the years of entertainment. La cheeserie. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always. Do wear white. Yeah, here's the thing. We're not the wonders right now. We're Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters.
We're the Phillies, we're the team of Connie Mack. Hey, Connie Mack had nothing to do with the Phillies. He was with the Philadelphia A's. Well, if you had the Phillies history, you'd try to claim Connie Mack too. Revisionist history, you screwed up. Maybe the joke is the modern day players don't know the Phillies history, so they claim Connie Mack. After the fact, no good, you screwed up. Okay, how about... <clears throat> We're the Phillies, we're the team of Big Adela Henty, Carlton, Jimmy, Rollins, Crinchy's in the pantry. Mm, I see your point. Am I forgiven? Uh, better ask Nigel. Nigel, grant me absolution. Sorry, mate, can't do it. Your punishment, an eternity of rooting for the Phillies. No!